scriptures, let me invite you to take your Bibles and turn to the prophet Isaiah and to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. And I'm going to read uh, the opening uh, five verses of Isaiah 40, and then we'll be returning uh, to meditate uh, this afternoon on uh, the teachings of the prophet Isaiah. And so again, I'm going to read from Isaiah 40, verses 1 through 5. Let me invite you as you're able, let's stand in honor of the reading and hearing of God's Word. The prophet Isaiah writes, Comfort ye, comfort my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, For she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sin. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, every mountain and hill shall be made low. And the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. May God bless today, again, the reading and the hearing of his word, and let's join together in prayer. Gracious and loving God, as we consider the ministry of one of thy servants, and how uh, he was driven along by the Holy Spirit, we ask that you would give us attention and insight into thy word, strengthen our understanding of the scriptures, And through that, uh, let us have what Paul called uh, the patience and the comfort uh, of the scriptures and help us to to be drawn to love Christ more and to serve him more fervently. We ask this in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. You may be seated. So we, we started a series last Sunday afternoon on the great writing prophets. And we started off with Isaiah. And so last uh, Sunday afternoon, we looked at the life of Isaiah. And I noted that um, it's often a nice spiritual discipline to read biographies, to read biographies of, of great men uh, from the past. And we're kinda, we kind of did last week a, a biography, uh, not of one of the Puritans or one of the Reformers, but of a biblical figure of of the prophet Isaiah, son of Amoz. And um, we talked uh, in sketching Isaiah's life about his call in Isaiah 6, how that he saw the Lord high and lifted up and the train of his robe, his glory filled the temple. And he heard uh, the Lord's voice, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And, And Isaiah had said, here am I, Lord, send me. And we traced other aspects of his life, how that he was a husband to a prophetess and he had two sons who carried symbolic names and he performed symbolic actions at one point going about walking barefoot and naked for three years to symbolize uh, the destruction that would come on, uh, be brought by Assyria. And uh, so we, we looked at his ministry to King Hezekiah and how he was used especially to strengthen the resolve of the king and of his fellow countrymen at a time when the Assyrians threatened uh, to defeat them and to besiege uh, Jerusalem. 
And we even uh, noted that uh, it is thought uh, a tradition, Jewish tradition, that may be reflected in Hebrews 11.37, that, uh, that Isaiah met his death as a martyr and that he was sawed asunder. Although there's no record of that in the book of Isaiah or the Old Testament, again, there seems to be an allusion to this in Hebrews 11.37. And there was a, a Jewish writing called the Ascension of Isaiah that, that, that said that this was the case. Well, today we want to turn from the life of Isaiah to just do a, a bird's eye view of some of the teachings and prophecies in the book of Isaiah. Of course, we're not going to be exhaustive. Uh, this would take a, a, a multi-sermon uh, series, multi-sermon sermon series through the book of Isaiah. Hopefully we'll do that one day. And, uh, but, but today we're just going to, in one message, talk about some of the key Uh, prophecies that we find in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah has been described as a fifth gospel. And so we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are canonical gospels that tell us about the life and ministry of Christ. But uh, Isaiah has been called a fifth gospel alongside of those canonical New Testament gospels because so much within it speaks about Christ. And in the time before the New Testament was completed and Christian preachers had the New Testament to go out and to preach from Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, for example, the Gospels, we know that they did a lot of their preaching and teaching from the book of Isaiah because so much in here speaks about Christ. Um, And we can see this, for example, I I preached about this not too long ago. Uh, back in Acts chapter 8. Do you remember that, that scene in Acts chapter 8 when um, the Holy Spirit sends Philip to the Ethiopian eunuch who's passing through the wilderness and the Spirit directs uh, Philip to join uh, and run alongside of the chariot. And there in Acts chapter 8, as Philip is obedient to the Spirit, Um, It says in Acts 8, verse 30, And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah. And then he asked him, remember, Understandest thou what thou readest? Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And then he invited Philip to come up. And then uh, Luke tells us in Acts 8, 32, The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so he openeth not his mouth. That's from Isaiah 53, verses 7 and 8. And Isaiah 53 in particular, as we'll see in a few moments, is again, the most explicit prophecy in the Old Testament about the crucifixion of our Lord. And so it's a golden opportunity as as Philip has asked, who is this speaking about? Who, who, is, who, is, who is this talking about? And when, when Philip, uh, uh, when the eunuch asked that of Philip, uh, we read in verse 35 of Acts 8, then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. So we see the way that the book of Isaiah was used by the, by the apostles and the apostolic associates to preach Christ even before we had the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's sometimes said that the Old Testament prophets were both forth 
tellers. That is, they, they, they were like preachers in that they applied the word, the revelation of God as it had been given uh, to the people of their times. We saw that in Isaiah's ministry to King Hezekiah. But the prophets of old were also foretellers. And that is, God often gave them insights into the things that would be. God knows all things. He has an exhaustive knowledge of history. He, he knows the end from the beginning. And so he often would give to his prophets knowledge of things that were to come. And so this is why in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah uh, has many prophecies about Christ. And probably Isaiah is the most quoted book in the New Testament. Again and again, uh, we see the gospel writers, the, the apostles quoting from this book. I'm going to look at seven things that Isaiah uh, foretold or taught. And six of these seven things are going to be foretellings, prophecies. And one of them is going to be a teaching. And so let's look at seven things that Isaiah uh, prophesied about foretelling or teaching. And so first of all, he prophesied about the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah prophesied about the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll just flow for just a, a minute. And again, uh, since this is going to be kind of an overview message, we're going to look at a lot of passages. If you have your Bible, you can feel free to turn with me as we're going to flow through the Bible. Or you can just listen. And, but anyways, in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14, uh, we read these words from the prophet. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And so there, the, the prophet Isaiah uh, was moved by the Holy Spirit to prophesy what we call the virginal conception or the virgin birth of Christ. And then this is, is quoted by the apostle Matthew in Matthew chapter 1, the very opening page really of the gospel of, of Matthew, um, when he describes how the Holy Spirit told Joseph that Mary uh, had conceived and what was conceived of her was of the Holy Ghost. Then Matthew records, Matthew 1, all this was done that it might fulfill that, was, that which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet. And then he quotes Isaiah 7, 14. Uh, while you're in Isaiah, Isaiah 7, if you turn over probably just a page and, and, and look a little bit further at Isaiah 9, verse 6 and verse 7, it says, for unto us, a child is born unto us. A son is given. The government shall be upon his, his shoulders and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace of the increase of his government and peace. There shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. If you're familiar with uh, Handel's Messiah, so many of these passages from Isaiah were incorporated into that, into the, the lyrics of that music that rehearse 
the, uh, the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here, Christ is explicitly called the mighty God. And there's the wonder of the fact that, that the word was made flesh and that Christ came as a child. Uh, that he, he didn't come as a full grown man. We've been looking at the creation of, Ma- of Adam in Genesis 2-7. And Adam was formed as a full grown man. But Christ comes in humility, comes as a child. And this is prophesied by Isaiah. If you turn over likely another page or two, you'll come to Isaiah 11. And here's a prophecy of Christ, the Messiah, coming from the line of David. In Isaiah 11, verse 1, it says, And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And you can read further about some of the further prophecies that are given there about Christ. But uh, here's a prophecy that from the stem of Jesse and uh, the the line of Judah will uh, just after Isaiah's lifetime, they will be cut down by the Babylonians. They'll be left as like a stump. But out of that stump, there will come a little twig, a little sprig, a rod. And this was a a prophecy of the fact that from the line of of David, uh, the great king, the man after God's own heart, would would become the son of David, uh, who is the Lord Jesus Christ. So first, he prophesied about the birth of Christ. Secondly, he prophesied about the ministry of Christ. And if you're in chapter Isaiah 11, if you look back again to Isaiah 9, uh, you see that there's a prophecy that is included here about Christ's ministry in Galilee. We know Christ was born in Bethlehem, but his ministry was raised in Nazareth. His ministry was in Galilee. And it says in Isaiah 9, verse 1, Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as was in her vexation, when at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward did more grievously afflict her by the way of the sea beyond Jordan. In Galilee of the nations, the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. And Christ will say in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. And so the people of Galilee who were in darkness, Christ came and the light shined upon them. And in fact, this same verse is quoted in Matthew 4, verses 13 through 16, where Matthew tells us that this prophecy was was fulfilled when Christ ministered in Galilee. And we see also this theme of of Christ being a great light. Uh, The light of the world has come that illumines all men, as as John will record it. If you look over in Isaiah uh, chapter 60, verses 1 and following, It says, Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee, and the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising. And so here are 
early Christian forebears saw rightly a prophecy of the coming of Christ, but also that that light would be not just for the Jews, but also for the Gentiles. And if you're if you're at Isaiah 60, look over at Isaiah 61, beginning in verse one, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn. And there you see that the mention of the Lord hath anointed me. Uh, the Lord hath uh, uh, set me apart. And the word for anointing here. Uh, is the root for the word Messiah. Christ is the anointed one. He is the, 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 the son of David who is the king uh, who is coming. And you might well know that, that when Christ went into his hometown synagogue in Nazareth, according to Luke 4, and he was handed uh, the scriptures to read, this is the passage that he read. And Christ said, today this prophecy is fulfilled in your hearing. And the people were so angry that they took him to the brow of the hill and were ready to, to throw him over. Uh, but he walked through their midst. Thirdly, he prophesied about the suffering and death of Christ. He prophesied the birth. He prophesied the ministry of Christ. He prophesied the suffering and the death of Christ. And this is most strikingly seen in four passages in the book of Isaiah. These are sometimes called the four servant songs, the four servant songs. And it begins in Isaiah chapter 42. Isaiah 42 is the first of these passages where there is a reference to God having a special servant that he is going to send. And so in Isaiah 42, verse one, it says, behold, my servant whom I uphold, mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him, and he shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not cry, nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed he shall not break, and the smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. And so this was... The first mention of a servant. And there's a mention here of his gentleness. That even a bruised reed he would not break. That he would have compassion on the weakest one. That even a fire that was just smoking. He would not quench it. He would not put it out. But he would fan into flame. That was only little faith. And you see in Matthew chapter 12. Christ quoted these very words uh, to describe his own ministry. If you look uh, also at, this, at uh, the second of these servant songs is in Isaiah 49, verses 1 through 6. The second of these four uh, servant uh, passages. And uh, you can see uh, here, especially, I think, in verse 6. And he said, it is a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. I will, I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles 
that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. Who is the one that's been raised up to be salvation for Gentiles to the end of the earth? But the Lord Jesus Christ. Look also at uh, Isaiah 50. This is the third of the four um, servant songs. And in Isaiah 50 verses 4 through 11, uh, we see uh, this uh, passage. And this one, we begin to have prophecies of the suffering of this servant. As it says in verse 6, I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. And this begins to prophesy of Christ's scourging, of the mockery, of the pulling out of the hair of his beard, the spitting in his face that Christ endured for us upon the cross. Verse 10 of Isaiah 50, Who is among you that feareth the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of his servant, that walketh in darkness and hath no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. And then, though, the the crowning of these four uh, suffering servant passages, as I've already mentioned, is found at the end of Isaiah 52, beginning in verse 13, which starts off, Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. And then all of, of chapter 53, I think a couple years ago, we actually had Isaiah 53 as our quarterly memory verse. And some people uh, worked and memorized the entirety of this chapter uh, at that time. But of course, Isaiah 53 really is the fifth gospel that could be laid aside, uh, alongside of the passion narratives that we find in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Because so much of it speaks, again, of the suffering of Christ. Look at verse 3. He is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. And there is certainly passages that speak of the substitutionary atonement of Christ and and also the the definite atonement of Christ, that his suffering was for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. By his stripes, we are healed. And so uh, this passage has always been one of profound meditation for Christians. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, the Apostle Peter cites Isaiah 53, 5, when he writes, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. Fourthly, then, he prophesied about the new heavens and the new earth and the judgment of the wicked. Look at the very end of the book of Isaiah. Look at the very last chapter, Isaiah 
chapter 66. And look at the, the way it ends. Isaiah 66, verse 22. For as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make, shall remain before me, saith the Lord, so shall your seed and your name remain. And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another shall all flesh come to worship before me, saith the Lord. New heavens, new earth, all flesh worshiping the Lord. That's the, that's the, the destiny for those who are the redeemed. But then also look at verse 24. And they shall go forth and look upon the carcasses of the men that have transgressed against me. For their worm shall not die. Neither shall their fire be quenched. And they shall be an abhorring unto all flesh. It, it talks about the grim reality of what awaits those who have rejected Christ. So let me just pause here in looking at these uh, first four Uh, things we've looked at really we have the story of Christ here the birth of Christ the ministry of Christ the suffering of Christ and the triumphant return of Christ and either the those who experience the resurrection of life or the resurrection of judgment so we've got all these prophecies of Christ we also have prophecies within Isaiah about what would happen to Israel. And these were more historical prophecies about what would happen to Israel. And so um, the, the fifth, uh, one of his prophecies we want, to, we want to look at is the fact that he prophesied that Israel would, would eventually go into exile. And by Israel, I mean the nation of Israel. He was actually a prophet in Judah, the southern kingdom of Judah. And he lived during the times when the Assyrians had wiped out Samaria and the northern kingdom of Israel. But he prophesied that there would come a time when even uh, the southern kingdom that God had spared during the time of Sennacherib, that it too would uh, fall to its enemies. And one of the places he speaks about this is in Isaiah chapter 5, uh, verses 1 through 7. And uh, he says, uh, he, he speaks figuratively about the land of Judah and of Jerusalem uh, being like God's vineyard that he has set up. Christ will draw upon this when he tells the parable of the vineyard. But then he says, uh, historically, as a prophecy for Judah, look at chapter 5, verse 5. And now go to, I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away the hedge thereof and it shall be eaten up. And break down the walls thereof, and it shall be trodden down, and I will lay it waste. It shall not be pruned nor digged, but there shall come upon briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. And so this, this would be God's judgment. The walls of Jerusalem would, stum, would, would fall down. Uh, the, the, the city, including the temple, would be tread upon. And so he prophesied that although God had spared them in the days of Sennacherib, that they would fall. In fact, some have suggested that the first 39 chapters of the book of Isaiah are all about the judgment, really, that is about to come upon Judah. And if you look over in chapter 39 of Isaiah, and this is going to make more sense in a couple of minutes, there is uh, the last sort of narrative about the the life of King Hezekiah. We talked last time about how Isaiah um, was used of God to uh, 
uh, steal the nerves of Hezekiah to stand up against the, the Assyrians. And then remember how he got sick and God used uh, Isaiah to, to tell him that, that, that God would extend his life. Well, in chapter 39 of Isaiah, we're told how once Hezekiah recovered from his sickness, that there were a group of ambassadors that were sent to him from this strange country called Babylon. And if you look at, look at Isaiah 39, and you read there, it says, At that time, Merodach Baladan, the son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent letters and presents to Hezekiah, for he had heard that he had been sick and was recovered. And Hezekiah was glad of them. And showed them the house of his precious things, the silver and the gold and the spices and the precious ointment and all the house of his armor. And all that was found in his treasures, there was nothing in his house, nor in all his dominion that Hezekiah showed them not. Well, what's wrong with this picture? These guys are spies. They're coming to see the treasures of Jerusalem because they plan to attack it. And Isaiah sees this. Look at verse 3. Then, I, then came Isaiah the prophet unto King Hezekiah and said unto him, What said these men? And from whence came they unto thee? And Hezekiah said, They are, from, they are come from a far country unto me, even from Babylon. They're so far away, Isaiah. What do you worry about them? Why, Isaiah, don't get involved in political things. You're a prophet. Uh, they're so far away. They'll, ne- they'll never do anything to us. And then Isaiah says, speaks to Hezekiah, look at verse 5. Hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold, the days come that all that is in thine house and that which thy fathers have laid up in store to this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, saith the Lord. And of thy sons that shall issue from thee, which thou shalt beget, shall they take away and they shall be eunuchs. In the palaces, in the palace rather of, of the king of Babylon. One day your kingdom is going to fall to the Babylonians and your descendants are going to be emasculated and become eunuchs in the house of Babylon. Quite a prophecy. What's interesting though is verse 8. I once took this text when I was doing a, leading a, a, a men's retreat for a church was invited to speak to the men and I took this as my text for the for our talks then said Hezekiah to I to Isaiah good is the word of the Lord which thou hast spoken he said moreover for there shall be peace and truth in my days what's wrong with that Hezekiah said well nothing's going to happen to me in my lifetime I don't have anything to worry about and Isaiah just told him you're Grandchildren are going to be eunuchs in the house of Babylon because of your spiritual unfaithfulness in this generation. And he says, I don't care. At least I'll be happy in this life. What do I care what happens to my sons? Why do I care what happens to my grandsons, my grandchildren? He's a very unwise man, isn't he? He's not thinking about what he does in his life spiritually will have an impact on his sons and daughters. Grandsons and granddaughters and great-grandsons and great-granddaughters. So Isaiah prophesied about the fall of Judah.
Then, six things, six of seven, he prophesied as well, however, about the restoration. The restoration. And it's very striking. After you read chapter 39, you turn to chapter 40, and it begins, it's speaking to those who will be in exile. Those of Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego's generation. And he says, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. There's a time for, that prophets exhort, and there's a time that prophets comfort. And what is more, and what strikes most people about Isaiah, and they see as the most striking of his supernatural prophecies is, he prophesies by name that God will eventually raise up Cyrus the Persian. Who will, who will defeat the Babylonians, and he will be the one who will issue a decree that will allow the exiles to return to their homeland. It's recorded in 2 Chronicles 36 and Ezra 1, the Edict of Cyrus. And he names him by name. Look at Isaiah 44 and verse 28. Isaiah 44 and verse 28. That saith of Cyrus, He is my shepherd and and shall perform all my pleasure, even saying to Jerusalem, thou shalt be built and to the temple, thy foundation shall be laid. No one knew who Cyrus was during Isaiah's lifetime. No one knew the Persians were going to defeat the Babylonians. But God gave to Isaiah supernaturally the name of the future king of, Bab- of, of Persia who would allow the exiles to go home. And he's mentioned a second time if you look over at Isaiah 45 and verse 1. And it says, uh, Thus saith the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus. He calls Cyrus his anointed. Even this pagan Persian king will be anointed for a special purpose that God uh, will use. Um, well, that's uh, six of seven uh, prophecies. And there's one more prophecy. The, the six previous ones I've shared you are all foretellings. And I just want to mention one fourth telling. One teaching of Isaiah that's here in his scriptures. And it, it relates to the preservation of scripture. And it's also found in Isaiah chapter 40. And it's in verse 8, Isaiah 40 and verse 8. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. The Apostle Peter also picked up this passage in 1 Peter 1.24. He said, for all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. Verse 25, 1 Peter 1. But the word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the word by which the gospel is preached unto you. God raised up a man named Isaiah, and he gave him his words, and they would echo down through the centuries, and they come to us even today, speaking of Christ and also prophesying and testifying to the power of his word and how it will be preserved. Let me close by just mentioning one more thing to you about the book of Isaiah, if you're unaware of this. Sometimes the book of Isaiah is called the Bible in miniature. Let me ask my kids who've been to vacation Bible school, how many 
books are there in the Bible? How many books are there in the Bible? Who knows the answer? Levi, how many? There are 66 books in the Bible. How many books are there in the Old Testament? That's that's the New Testament. 39 in the Old Testament, and there are 27 in the New Testament. Here's something for you. How many chapters are there in the book of Isaiah? How many chapters are there in the book of Isaiah? 66 chapters in the book of Isaiah. And guess what? If you were paying attention to what I said earlier, the first 39 chapters describe judgment. And it ends with the prophecy that Judah will fall to the Babylonians and they will go into exile. And then you turn over to chapter 40 and it says, comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith the Lord. The New Testament of Isaiah begins in chapter 40. And the last 27 chapters are words of hope and comfort. And if you look in Isaiah 40, look at verse 3. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. What's that a prophecy of? John the Baptist will come. And then verse 5, the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And then how does the New Testament? Well, well, then it tells us in the New Testament about the suffering of Christ. Isaiah chapter 53, the suffering of Christ. You go to the end. How does the Bible end in the book of Revelation? Revelation chapter 21. There will be a new heavens and a new earth. And I, John, I saw the heavenly Jerusalem coming down. And you get to Isaiah 66 at the end of the book of Isaiah. And what do we read? Verse 22, about the new heavens and the new earth. The book of Isaiah is the Bible in miniature. And it was written like this before a single book of the New Testament was ever composed. Do you think that's an accident, friends? Do you think that's just a happenstance? Well, of course it isn't. Because the Bible is God's word to us. And so let us uh, receive it as such. We invite you to stand together. Let's join in prayer. Gracious and loving God, we do give thee thanks today for thy word, for thy servant Isaiah. The things that he was aware of and the things that he, he was not, humanly speaking, aware of. And yet, guided by thy spirit, uh, he was able to write and to foretell and to prophesy. And so we give thee thanks for thy word, what Isaiah said of Christ that would enlighten the minds of the first believers, the apostles, and allow them to preach boldly. And now we have this great uh, inheritance passed on to us. Help us to be faithful stewards in this generation and to stand for thy truth. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.